Music has changed. How it makes us feel never will. The time is now to visit mstudios.co.za. Brought to you by Old Mutual. Hi, I'm Mac G, and this is the Amp Studios Creative Industry Podcast, a series of masterclasses that are designed to help you build a business in the music industry. Proudly brought to you by Old Mutual. Amp Studios is a free culture hub facility situated in the heart of downtown Johannesburg in Newtown with uh, world-class recording studios, co-working spaces, video facilities, a stage and streaming facilities all free and designed to help young artists build a career in the music industry. If you'd like to be a part of the Amp Studios or check out all the masterclasses and content we've created for you, just go to www.ampstudios.co.za or send us your name to our WhatsApp line on 081-707-6636. That's 081-707-6636. Gil Hockman is an independent South African musician now based in Berlin. Over the years, he has built an impressive database including venues, various music publications and radio stations. This database is an incredibly valuable resource for other independent musicians. I started off in the music industry just being a music lover uh, like everyone else. When I was in university, I joined the student radio station and then really got involved with uh, interviewing bands and going to gigs and stuff. And from there, yeah, I became a photographer and a journalist. Went into using my media connections to promoting events and promoting venues, after which I actually owned a venue of my own for a few years in Cape Town called the Independent Armchair Theatre. We just really pushed local music as hard as we could. And then it was after that that I actually decided to become a musician on my own. I'd been in, in, in some bands and stuff before, but I'd never really taken it on my own. And since then, which is the last 10 or 12 years, I've just been gigging and touring. I toured all over Southern Africa. I toured, I've toured all over Europe. And now I live in Germany and I have a small PR company and I give workshops to independent musicians as well as continuing to make my own music. We're sold the dream, you know, we read the magazines and we read the websites and we see the music videos and they present the dream, which is really the end point. And a lot of the times that dream is is sort of imaginary, you know, it only exists in the music video. It's not, doesn't give the full truth. And there's a lot we can do to understand how to, how to manage our lives and manage our careers so that we can get as close to that dream as possible. Because often we aren't shown the steps in between. You know, we're really shown where we, we know where we are and we're shown what is there at the end, but we often aren't shown the steps in between. Confucius was an ancient Chinese philosopher from yeah, like 2,500 years ago. And he said that it has never been the case that what was of great importance has been slightly cared for. And at the same time, what was of slight importance has been greatly cared for. And that's, it's important for everything in life, but it's especially important in music and any art form that you don't get anything without putting a lot of work in. And if you want to do something really great, it's not going to come for free. You know, you're going to have to, you have to put in the effort but when you do put in the effort, you do, you will end up with something awesome. It's not going to be that you work for years and years and years and you don't come out with something really special. It might not be exactly what you thought it would be in the beginning, but it will be something that you could never imagine. And it's always worth the, it's always worth the journey. And I like to, I like to start off with that because it's always a good thing to keep in mind whenever you're doing, when when you're working on your music or when you're working on anything in life. But this is the big question that we're all facing, right? How do I become successful? 
like you start off in music and you think I want to be I want to be a star I want to be famous I want to do all the things I see my heroes doing but how do I do it and everyone is asking this question you know everyone everyone who is not already successful wants to know how to become successful but the truth is we don't know and often we're really just hoping that someone will come and do it for us whether it's a label or a booking agent or a manager or maybe some other acts brings you up um, you have a viral vi music video you get on some awesome playlist or on some awesome blog which really changes your life and while those things are all important the truth is that they often don't know how to do it either you know there's the story from the well not a story but a fact from the music industry when when a before streaming before the internet when album sales were the main thing and on any label there would usually be one act which is making a lot of money and a lot of the other acts were basically being paid for by that act a lot of them were losing money and you would have one act that was basically floating the label or a hand five acts that were floating another hundred acts and even though it's on the one hand it's great that the labels would give everyone a chance it also meant that it wasn't a guarantee that anyone became successful even if a label or a manager knew how to who, to create a su successful act from one group it didn't necessarily mean that they'd be able to create a successful act from the very next one that came along what that means is that there's a hard truth is that you're going to have to do it yourself we can build a team around us and that team would include labels, managers, PR people, um, the other, P other artists, but you need to guide the process. You can't sit around and wait for someone else just to come and magically make you famous or just open that door for you. Some people will open doors for you. There's People will be opening doors for you the whole way through your career, but you're going to be the, need to be the person who's walking up to those doors is walking up to those people and it's a lot of people and a lot of doors and you need to be the person who's driving the process and essentially you need to take responsibility for that you can't be sitting around waiting for people to do stuff for you you need to be the person driving the car you know where the destination is you need to drive there we're actually not that far away from just living in caves and hunting animals and gathering fruit from the trees and stuff and Evolution, in order for us to, to survive that kind of situation, made it important for us to notice things that were out of the ordinary. You know, whether there was a, a lion around the corner or some sort of snake or poisonous berries or whatever it was. Like, we needed to notice when things were different because as long as things were normal and safe, we could go out and do our business. But when we needed to notice if it, maybe a tree had fallen down or something was out of place that we should be more aware of stuff. And this still exists within our minds, but in the modern context, it means that we are much more aware of things that are unusual. Anything that is normal or that happens all the time, we tend to ignore it a little bit, where actually we will notice viral videos or hit singles or artists that just made it from nothing. Like we will end up paying far more attention to those things because they're different from the usual. And our minds are attracted to things which are different from the usual, which is why we like new kinds of art and new kinds of music and new kinds of, new kinds of anything change. We're really attracted to that sort of stuff. But it can make it difficult when we think about ourselves. And just an example of this, did you think of being attacked by a shark? You know, like, 
I'm going to tell you you're going to go swim in the sea. There's a 1 in 264 million chance you're going to get attacked by a shark. But that 1, that 1 chance is going to make you very wary of going into the sea. And 264 million people, that's South Africa, uh, Mozambique, Zim, Botswana, Namibia, uh, Tanzania, Kenya, Angola, Zambia. Like, imagine all of those people are going to go into the sea at one time. Only one of them is going to get bit by a shark. But it's knowing that it's still going to make you not want to go into the sea. And it's such a tiny thing, but we still play, pay super huge amounts of attention to it. And the same is the opposite is winning the lottery. You know, there's one in 14 million chance. It's basically if you played the same number in the lottery for 30,000 years every day, you'd end up winning. And that it's such a small chance, but you'll still buy a lottery ticket. You still think, yeah, this could be my thing. You know, so these very rare occurrences have a really big place in our brain. And the problem is, is that when we think about ourselves and when we think about what we expect from life and how we react to stuff, often we react, we overreact to very small things. And, you know, if you play a show, I've had this experience, you play a show, it's a great show, like, there's loads of people there, everyone comes up to you and says, oh man, that was a great show, that was a great show, and one person is like, mm, I didn't like it, you know, it'll kill you, you know, like, you just, brings you so down, even though it's like one peep, one person out of a whole room or of a whole crowd, you will really take that negative feeling to heart. And in the same way, is that if you have a great show, you suddenly expect every show to be like that. And when the next show isn't, you get super disappointed. These are two things, neither of those are real, you know. And both of them, you had a great show. The chances are, your next show might be a little bit worse than that. If it's the best show you ever had, it's never, you know, you can never keep on having the best. At some point, it's a little bit worse, and you shouldn't let that get you down. But at the same time, if you've had a great show and one person didn't like it, yeah, they didn't like it. What can you do? But these things, like it can be when you're trying to approach uh, an, an artist or a manager to work with you and they're not interested, you can really take that to heart. Or if you write a great song and the next day you don't write a great song, suddenly you feel like you're not a great songwriter. And those things, you need to be able to ignore them and you need to be able to move through the process. And this is why... Uh, I like to talk about working on your average because the truth in this story is really somewhere in the middle. It looks a little bit like this, you know. As you can see, the the best, like the best that you have to offer, or the best things that happen to you, they are they're right at the top. It's not everything, and the same goes for the worst. And the truth is that most of your work, most of your interactions, most of your experiences are going to be somewhere in the middle. They're not going to be best. They're not going to be worst. They're going to be somewhere in the middle um, of that measure. And what we really need to do is start to think about what our average is. You know, the truth about where you are really in life as a songwriter, uh, like as a performer, as any, any, anything in the music industry is what is your average? What is your average song like? What is your average performance like? What is your average practice like? What is your average professional interaction like? Because these are things you can get a grip on. You know, if, you're, if you feel like your average song is not good enough, you can really work on it. You're like, what don't I know? What can I work on better? 
what new skills can I learn? What music theory can I learn? Should I be listening to different stuff? Should I be do maybe doing some tutorials or courses? You can work on that and it's not, you don't have this pressure of trying to do your best every single time because your best will naturally improve as your average improves. And people are not only going to listen to one, to your best song forever. You want them to listen to all of your songs. So it's important that your whole, like your whole body of work improves, not just that you have one great moment. Because what happens if you had that great moment today and in 10 years time, your best moment is still 10 years ago? You know, you don't want to be concentrating on that stuff. You want to be, want to be concentrating on moving your work as a whole to improving that on average. Again, you can think about on average, how many days per week or how many hours per day do you write music or practice music or work on your career? It's not like, oh, today I worked for 10 hours, but tomorrow and the day before I'm not going to work, you know? You want to think, cool, on average I'm working like two or three hours a day on my songwriting and I can really see the improvement. And I kind of like to say, I know everyone here is probably more of a, if you're a sports fan, you're probably more of a soccer fan than a cricket fan. But the amazing thing about cricket is that, well, the interesting thing at least, uh, is that cricket players, they judge their career on the average. On average, how many runs did they score? On average, how many wickets did they take? Sure, people will think about the best, like I scored 200 runs or I took this many wickets in a game. But really, like when people, when the cricket industry looks back on careers they look back on the average how good was that batsman on average you know if you have a 40 average or 50 average people consider to you you to have had a great career and as a musician you want to be that person you want to look back on your career and you go like yeah my average was in cricket terms a 40 or a 50 you know it wasn't a 10 or a 20 and even though i might have scored 200 runs on the one occasion it's the 40 or 50 that's really going to be the sign of how hard you worked and how far you came. So there you look, there is your average line and you can move that line. And you can move that line in a way that the more people listen to your work, they just realize there's so much to take from it. And it's also much easier to move that line than to just be focusing on your best because sometimes your best is unexplainable. You know, I have a song, I wrote it like 10 years ago and Every single show, no matter what show I play, that is the song that people come and talk to me and say, oh man, I love that song, I love that song. And I don't know what I did. You know, I wrote the song, yeah, I remember writing it, it was, it was a special moment, I thought this is a cool song, but really nothing else that I've done so far has been able to match that. And that could really get me down. I'm like, well, <laughs> my best is done. You know, what's the point of carrying on if I'm never gonna write a song since that? And I've written tons and tons of songs since that one, a lot of which I think are really cool but none of them really get the same reaction. But I'm not really worried about that because what I'm more concerned about is moving forward and improving myself on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, am I working hard enough? Am I writing enough songs? You know, if I'm not writing a whole lot of songs in a year, then obviously I'm not going to improve. How's my playing? How is my, what is my network like? Like those are the things that I'm thinking of. I'm not worried about trying to get better than that one thing that I did. Um, I'm more thinking about how to improve myself on a daily basis because then, you know, I end up somewhere like this, you know, how I could never imagine that I would be sitting in, in Germany, in Berlin, speaking to you guys from the other side of the world, but it just came out of hard work, you know, it came out of putting one foot in front of the other every day, dealing with my disappointments and the most exciting moments in a way that was healthy and didn't get me down and just trying to motiv motivate myself to move forward every day and improve myself. 
and this is what you want to be able to think about, you know, on a, on a, even on a weekly or monthly or yearly basis, like how much has your average changed over the last year, over the past five years, over in your entire career? Like, is your average song better than it was a year ago? Is your average gig better than it was a year ago? You know, on average, are you earning more money over a year than you uh, this year than you earned last year? You know, what changed? What can you do different? Where do you think you can improve? And instead of looking for that one thing that's going to change your life, that one person who's going to open the door for you, that one song, rather be able to look at it as, as the whole, like how is everything that I'm doing fitting together? Is it moving me forward? If it isn't moving me forward, what can I do to change? Because that's much easier than just trying to go for that one shot which is either going to make you or break you and that can be very frustrating you know if you think about it in terms of your average there's lots of little changes you can make even on a daily basis which will improve things where it's very hard to to create that piece of luck for yourself on purpose you will get luck the harder you work the luckier you will get but it's about allowing yourself the space sort of in your mind to do that work without getting yourself down or without having unrealistic expectations. So in terms of how to build your career and how to work on it, this is a little math equation that I like to I like to think about. You have your career and what is your career? Your career equals art plus audience. Of course you can make art on your own, you can make music on your own, whatever you can do other art, you can be a painter or a, a poet or a photographer or anything or sculpture and you can do all that stuff for yourself but if you want to have a career you must have an audience and you must have people essentially who are going to pay money for you to do your art. And that audience can be anything. It can be your fan base. It can be people paying you to make music for TV or film. The audience is all of that sort of stuff. You have to be working on each element of this. You have to be working on your career. You have to be working on your art. And you have to be working on your audience. The real question you've got to start thinking about is, what do you want? Uh, and that's what you think about. But I want you to try to do something, just for a moment, like, think what would your day actually be like if you were successful? You know, I'll give you an example for me. You know, if I think of being successful, I think I can wake up in the morning, I got food in my fridge, really, like this sort of real, just basic practical stuff, I've got food in my fridge, I have a breakfast, maybe if I want to be fit, I go for a jog, I come home. And I step into my studio because my studio is in my house or my apartment and I just write music for the morning. You know, I spend three or four hours just writing stuff. Then I break and I have some lunch and either I do some work admin stuff, maybe speak with some artists that I'm collaborating with. Maybe I have a label, speak to my label, speak to my booker, maybe we're planning a tour. Uh, if I'm, I really like doing workshops, so work a little bit on the next workshop that I'm giving, and then come six, five or six in the evening, I'm done with work, eat some dinner, spend some time with my family, maybe listen to some new music that I've got, read some books, because that's stuff I love doing. You know, that's my day, and that's what I dream of as being successful. You know, maybe in a yearly basis, I'm getting to do some tours. I'm doing these workshops, maybe I've written a book on this sort of topic, I'm releasing albums every year or two, I do some collaborations, all this stuff is in my life. And that's what I imagine. And then the question is, 
how are you going to get that? You know, what would it take? You know, once you have this picture in your mind of exactly what your day would be like, you want to start thinking, but well, what would you need for that to happen? You know, I can't, I can't have that life if I don't have somewhere to live, if I don't have uh, some equipment in my studio, if I don't have the contacts, if I haven't written any songs, if I don't have the experience of knowing how to book tours or knowing how to collaborate with other artists, all of these things would need to happen. You know, how much money does it take to have that sort of lifestyle? It doesn't have to be a huge amount of money, but I still need to pay rent. Uh, maybe I've bought a car. I want to upgrade my gear every now and then. Uh, I need to do some traveling. Like, how much really does that take? And you need to be able to think about that stuff because that gives you a real goal. It's not a goal of, I want to be famous and I want to drive in a limo and I want to have parties with all the beautiful people and I want to drink all the expensive drinks and hang out with all the stars because you can do that and if that is your dream then that is your dream but you need to know exactly what it takes to have that. How much money do you need to be earning to live in New York City and just party every day? You would have had to have earned enough money not to have to work. And even though like a lot of people are partying in their music videos or everything seems great, you can pretty sure most days they're working on their career the same way that anyone works on at any job. They're not waking up in the morning and just getting drunk all the time. Maybe, yeah, they're having people around for a braai on the weekend and they're having a great party with all their friends and maybe their friends are all famous musicians. But a lot of the time these guys are working, men and women are working in between. This is the stuff that we need to be able to think about when we start planning our careers. Because if you don't know how it works, you won't be able to build it. You know, if you wanted to build a car, you can't just say, I want to build a car. You have to know what's in the car. Because if you don't, you know, it just remains a dream in your head. So how do you do this planning? You know, what you need to do and what I always do is I think about what I want, exactly how I've just explained it to you. And then I try to work back the steps because obviously, even if you know exactly all those things that you would need to have this life that you dream of, there is a question of how do you get them? And you don't always get them in one go. You often have to... You know, I might say, I want to have a state-of-the-art studio in my house. It's not something that I can just go out and get. I need to start from somewhere. You know, maybe I start, and this was my experience, I started with one microphone and one little sound card. You know, and then a few years later, I got another microphone. And then a few years later, I got some cool monitors. And, 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 and then slowly, I now have my little home studio that I'm sitting in now. It's really small. It's the size of a big cupboard. But it's part of my dream. I have a studio in my apartment. I do some, I record my own stuff here and I write and I do record some other people. And it's very small, but it's part of my dream. And maybe in a few years time, it will be twice as big. Maybe I'll be living in a bigger apartment as things develop. But you have to know that progression that you're going to take. And if you, you can start right at the end with the greatest studio ever built, think about all that gear. Think, do I know how to use the gear? Do I know what gear I would want? How should I start this? And you can work it all the way back to starting where you are today. And how you do that is you basically ask a simple question. What is the one thing you can do? What is the one thing you can do in the next five years that will help you achieve your dream. What is it? 
yeah, maybe it is to have a super successful record. Maybe it is to have a studio. Maybe it is to be signed to a label. In that case, what is the one thing you can do this year to help you achieve that dream? Maybe it is do a sound engineering course. Maybe it is uh, approach all the labels or get release a single, you know, on any label just to start you on that progress. Maybe it is I just need to do a little tour or maybe I need to improve my singing or guitar playing skills. In that case, what can you do this month to help you achieve that goal? Maybe you need to see what sound course is available for you. If you need to pay for a course and you can't afford it, maybe you need to find a job so that in six months you can save up the money for the sound engineering course and on and on. And again, what can you do this week to help you achieve that goal? What can you do today to help you achieve that goal? What can you do right now? You know, right now you're watching this workshop which is a part of whatever you see as your grand idea. And you can literally take this and the, these questions and write them down. Make cards for yourself. And it is that you have the big dream, you have the five-year goal, the, the one-year goal, the one-month goal, the weekly goal, today's goal, and the right now, what can you do? You know, I have a little card on my desk behind here that says, what can I do right now? to help me achieve my dreams. And often it is just carry on writing. Like it's just a reminder that what I'm doing is what I'm doing right now, even if it's frustrating, it fits into a bigger picture. And that that is the the real real benefit of, of having a system like this where you've actually sat down and thought about what you're doing and you've written it all out, is that you know what it is. You know, when I wake up every morning, I know what I'm doing. I've written all the stuff done, down. I know what I want to do. I know where I want to be in five or ten years' time. And I've worked it all back. And I know that when I get up in the morning, I'm doing what I need, the most important thing I need to do for my goal. I don't have to think about it. I've worked it all out. I look at, I look at my goals every few months and I reevaluate re and see, see how I'm doing. But I know that what I'm doing, I don't have to think about it. I know that if I wanted to go out and have a few beers at night, I think, is that going to affect what I'm going to do tomorrow? And if it is, maybe I have an alcohol-free beer. Or maybe I just don't go out for as late as I would have otherwise because I know what's important to me and I don't have to think about it. I, if someone comes with another project that sounds cool, but it's, it, it's kind of interesting, but it's stressful and it will distract me from my goal, I don't do it because I know, what, I know why I'm doing what I'm doing every day. You know, I know I'm doing it because it's a piece of the puzzle towards my really great goal. And just working this stuff out and writing it down and putting it somewhere where you can look at it quite frequently can really change your perspective on what your career is. It also means you kind of get a sort of power or uh, being able to take responsibility of your career and your progress. It's not so much a matter anymore of waiting for someone to come and help you. You've worked out what you've needed to do. And you don't need to find the one person who's going to come and be the magic bullet. Sure, you might need to, part, one of your goals might be to find the right contacts or to get on the right label, but you can think, well, what do I need to do to get on that label? Well, maybe I need to have proved myself in some way. Okay, let me prove myself first because that I can do this year and next year I can start approaching labels. So once you do that, you really, it breaks down what seems to be an impossible task and it breaks it down into manageable pieces. You know, it's like 
eating the apple one bite at a time. You don't just put the whole apple in your mouth and try and swallow it. You know, it takes some time to eat it. And the same way developing your career and moving towards your goal is, it happens in much the same way. The good plan, knowing what you are doing and why you're doing it, it makes it much easier to make decisions. You know what's a good idea and you know what isn't a great idea. It keeps you free of distractions. You don't get sidetracked into other stuff. And in the end, all of that gives you more time to focus on your music, which is the real point here, because you don't have to think about why you're doing it. You don't have to spend time trying to remember what is this, is this a good idea or is this a good idea or think about stuff. You've made your decision. You can move on with your day. And obviously, this is something that you want to reevaluate from time to time. You know, the plan is always evolving. So as you gain experience, you get a new perspective on things. The perspective automatically gives you new ideas. You know, once, say, before, after you collaborate with someone for the first time, you'll suddenly know what it's like to collaborate. And that will give you a new perspective on it and will give you new ideas of stuff that you can do. And those ideas will lead to new plans. And when you put those plans into place and you go through them, it will give you new experience. So you get into this really great cycle of just learning and learning and trying new things. And... It take, and that is the thing that takes you forward. You know, that's the, that's the petrol in your tank that's going to move you through your career. And, but it also changes your plans. You know, you might decide, and this has happened to me, a couple of years down the line, you're like, oh, I did all this stuff, and maybe what I thought was what I wanted, I just wanted to tour all the time and play shows all the time, but actually I don't like being away from home because I've done it now, and it's fun, but it's not my thing. Okay, so I want to spend more time at home. Then how should I change my priorities? Should I become more of a producer? Should I become more of a, a songwriter for other people? Should I focus more on other business elements? Like for me, where it, maybe it's the PR or doing more workshops. So this plan is always changing. But as you're, the more you work on stuff and the more you understand why you've worked on it, you can really make uh, more informed decisions for yourself. I hope you're enjoying this episode of Amp Studios Music Industry Podcast. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after these. Old Mutual Rewards wants to empower you to reach your financial goals and reward you for taking steps towards your dreams. Joining us on this journey of financial well-being will earn you points in a variety of ways. You can start earning points simply by signing up, updating your profile and referring your friends and family. Continue earning points by doing online tutorials and assessments, calculating your savings goals, generating a credit report, and even by meeting an old mutual financial advisor. Having your financial needs met with certain old mutual products will also earn you points. Depending on the number of financial needs met with old mutual, the higher your rewards tier is and the more points you earn. It's time to take control of your financial future. Visit www.oldmutual.co.za forward slash rewards and join today. Welcome back. Let's get back into this week's Amp Studios Music Industry Podcast. No audience equals no career. You gotta have people to pay you for what you're doing. It's just the it's it's the it's the unvarnished truth of it. A lot of us we focus on our art, we maybe focus on our connections. But a lot of the time, we're not putting a lot of thought into how do you actually develop a career? You know, or you, or you do want to know, but you just, you're really not sure. You know, it's a mystery. I can say from my experience, I've always noticed there's some really amazingly charismatic musicians. 
I don't know how they do it, but they just seem to attract people to them. Some of you out there will be like that, you know, just that automatically works for you, but a lot won't. It will be like, how, how does that man or woman create so much popularity around them? And some of them do it naturally, and for the rest of us, we really need to be able to think of it. And even for the people who do it naturally, understanding the process of how someone becomes a fan or becomes a member of your audience is really useful in order to get the, in, in allowing you to get the best out of that situation. So the most important part of your audience is the fan. And a fan is obviously a fan. We would like to have fans. And we are all fans, you know, we are fans of music. And so this is the important thing to remember that fans are just people. You know, there are people like us, they could be doing anything, they could be anywhere, but you're dealing with people. Like all of us, people have emotions and they have expectations and building your audience is a lot about understanding that. But before I get into it, I also just want to show the, the real actual financial value of having fans. Because these days, so much... Uh, emphasis is placed on getting streams and on getting viral videos and all the stuff but just on a one-to-one -one basis how much value you can even have from a single fan so one CD sale I mean CD yeah for those who are printing CDs or a couple of downloads or a couple of t-shirt or sales for for sh ticket sales for shows is as much as over a thousand plays on Apple Music or Google Play on Spotify and more than three and a half, nearly three and a half thousand plays on YouTube. So in terms of actually gaining a financial benefit from your music, selling one CD to one person is going to beat getting three and a half thousand video streams on YouTube. And it's not to say that one is better than the other. It's that when you're building a career, especially at the beginning, you need to be building up both of those streams at the same time. Eventually, if and when you become successful and you're getting thousands or millions of streams on Spotify, obviously that is a great, great benefit to get to. But as I'll show you in the next slide, having a few fans, maybe one or 200 fans, can still have a massive financial benefit for you. So here's how we look at it. One fan buys one CD. It's 100 Rand in your pocket. Now we need to look over the long term because we're building careers here. You know, we're not just going for the, the quick win. Over 10 year period, a fan buys three CDs. You can expect that. You know, if you're a fan of a band, you're going to buy every album that comes out at least for like a lengthy period of time. So maybe your favorite band over three years releases three CDs, you buy them all for 400 Rand so that you've spent 300 Rand on that artist. Maybe you also bought a t-shirt and now you spend 500 Rand. Maybe you, they, were, they came through your town fairly often, so beyond the CDs and t-shirt, you also went to see them. So over 10 years, you went to see six shows of your favorite band, which is also maybe to be expected. So that's, you've now spent over 10 years, you spent a thousand rand on that band, or a fan has spent a thousand rand on you, buying t-shirt, buying CDs, coming to your shows. Ten, now multiply that to 10 fans, 10,000 rand. 100 fans, if you have 100 fans over 10 years, they spend 100,000 rand with you. If you have 1,000 fans who over 10 years buy the CDs, buy t-shirts, come to your shows, it's a million rand. It's real money from real people. And this is the sort of thing you can build up. You don't even have to be super famous for this. Those 1,000 people can, you know, it doesn't have to be millions and millions of people to be successful. As long as you're constantly producing, as long as you're constantly being a value to your fans and some fans will come in and some fans will come out, you can really build 
a small little business for yourself and without having to have the smash hit you just have to show your value you know the way I feel about my music is that I don't make music that's ever going to be a chart hit you know it's kind of niche uh, left of center but there's people out there in the world who will like it and my job is to find them and my job is to offer them something of value and then we build a relationship together I create the music and they help me maintain my career you know if you thought that your favorite band needed a little bit if you bought their CD they would means they could make the CD of course you would do it because you want to hear more music that they're gonna make and you build a relationship with these people you know they're they're human beings they're out there they want to enjoy music they want to feel like their lives have been changed a little bit by by the art that you're making and you want to make the art and you want to have that effect on people and you you do it together it's not it's not you're not here and your fans are completely isolated from you you're part of the same ecosystem you could say you know you're part of the same family in a way and these like i said and these fans can be anyone they can be a fan of your music they can be a fan of your professional attitude. You know, they might be a film director who, or an editor, or they might just like how you go about stuff. You know, maybe they like your music a bit, but they 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 like what you stand for, and and they will support you because of that as well. And they could also be a fan of you as a person. You know, them. You met them in the street. They were like, I met this musician. I'd always heard of them. Such a cool person. Uh, I'm totally going to get the next CD. You know, or will recommend you to other people. So it's important to think of that. You know, people can be fan a fan of you in in multiple ways. So they could be anyone, anywhere, doing anything. They could be anywhere in the world. They could be in the music industry. They could be other artists, producers, DJs, bookers, promoters, or they could be working in other media. They could be journalists, or they could be playlist curators, or in the film and TV and ad industries. And this is important to remember because. Fans obviously can buy your CDs and they can come to your shows, but a fan can put your music in an advert. A fan can put your music in film. A fan can ask you to write music for a theater show. A fan can write an interview about you. Often when, when journalists, and I can say this from experience, when you want to do an interview with someone, you really push to do the interviews with the artists that you are fans of. You know, that's always your dream. Part of the cool thing about being a journalist is that it gives you a reason to call anyone up. And so if you're a fan of someone, why wouldn't you interview them about their new album? So fans are that part of your world and you want to be able to, to get the benefit out of developing those relationships with them. Fans can stream your song, songs, come to your shows and buy your merch. Yeah, they can also be in other bands. Maybe they want to collaborate with you. Uh, maybe they're on a label and they want to release your tracks. They want to book you for shows. So when you think of building your fan base, everyone you meet is a potential fan. Everyone you meet has some potential benefit for you down the road, and you and you have a potential benefit for them. It's not a one-way street. It's not like everyone you meet, you have to see what you can get out of them. It's just be a cool person. Show that you're professional. Keep working on your art so that when people do come around and need something from you, you have a lot to show for it. Let them hear about you from the outside, and that's how you start building your audience. This is a big question, and it's also part of the part of the great mystery. But the truth in the end is that you make fans the same way that you make friends. Two people are introduced by a mutual friend or interest. So imagine you're at a party, you see your friend, your friend's chatting to someone else, you go and chat to your friend, your friend's like, oh, have you met so-and-so? You've been introduced. It could also be that you go to a party 
and you see someone who's wearing a t-shirt from your favorite band and you fight you're next to them at the bar or something you're like hey I dig your t-shirt I love that band too suddenly you get to know each other the next step is the education step so you get into a conversation you get to know each other oh yeah I like that too I like this music I do this sort of stuff you have more maybe more friends in common and you get a cool vibe of each other and you move into what is called the permission stage where you then give each other permission to contact each other. So you basically swap phone numbers. Would you like to hang out sometime? And this is a really important phase, especially in, we'll come to in the fan, in the, in the fan making process, because once you've given someone permission, once someone gives you permission to contact them, it means they've opened the door to create that relationship. You know, a lot of, from an advertising perspective, a lot of advertising that you see on the TV or radio or the internet, it's, it's what, they, what they call interruption marketing. So they're trying to interrupt whatever you're doing to try get you to focus on what they want you to focus on. Same as for like viral videos and music videos, all that stuff. They're just trying to show you like big flash. So you're like, oh, whatever else I'm doing, what, whatever else I was doing at this point, it's not that important. I must focus on this now. Like that's what they're trying to do. The advertisers that is... And there's so much of it out there that we're just being bombarded by adverts all the time. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. And we're doing it as well. We're saying, look at me, please, look at me, listen to my music. And sometimes it's very difficult for people to, to get in and notice you amongst all of that stuff that's going on. But when someone gives you permission and says, please contact me, Yes, it's cool to contact me. And your email ends up in their mailing, in, in their email box, in their inbox or in your, on your WhatsApp. They know, oh yeah, I asked this person to send me something. I asked them to send me news about shows. I asked them to send me news about new releases. They're way more ready to open it up and look at it. They might even have been waiting for it. And that's a completely different level of communication. It's not, you're not fighting against someone, everyone else. You're actually in there. You're in someone's living room, you're in their kitchen with them, chatting to them. It's not like you're building a billboard outside their house. And that is the, I think the crucial element of this is getting to that point. And then afterwards, it comes a matter of nurturing, you know, when on a friend's level, you become close friends and you, and you rely on each other, you know, you maybe do each other a favor, give each other's lifts, ho lifts home. If you go out for dinner and one of you pays for the other, knowing that the other one will pay them the next time around. And that's what you get. That's really when you've built a strong fan base where your fans will buy your CD before it comes out. They'll buy tickets for your show before you're there. They'll order your T-shirts online because they know that the more they do that, the more chance there is that you're going to create more art for them. And there is this symbiotic relationship between the two of you now, between you and your fan base that you are working together to create the situation and you rely on each other. You rely on them for your career and they rely on you for the special thing that you create, which they know they can't get anywhere else. And so how that looks like when you're becoming a fan is it's very similar. You know, there's the introduction phase. You discover an artist from a friend or situation. You know, someone says, hey, listen to this. Or you're in a shop and you hear a song. You're like, what is that song? You know, you shazam it or you ask the, the person behind the counter what what song it is or you phone into the radio station or you hear it at a club and you've suddenly you've heard about this artist and the education phase you go and find out more about them you listen to more music you maybe go to some of their shows now you have a bit of an idea who they are 
and then you give them permission to send you more information. You join their mailing list, you follow them on social media, and you begin to interact with them. You know, you've said, please come into my world, not in this anonymous way, but you've actually gone out and asked them for more information. And you're now part of their world. You're part of their, what you can call the fan ecosystem. And now you're all working together. You know, they're making music, but their career only exists if you and everyone else are there to pay attention and to support them. And then you move into the nurturing stage where you're buying their, you're, you're sharing your artist with their friend, with your friends, you're promoting the artist for them, you're buying merch, you're, if you're in the music industry, maybe you're booking them for shows, maybe you're now in the, you've worked, you've moved into advertising, you're booking them for, you're asking them to write music for your ads. And this is the real, like, you're both really helping each other out now. You're both building something together. Becoming a fan is like becoming a friend. And that psychology is really important because so often we just expect people to like our music. We almost demand it of them. You know, you wouldn't go out into the street and just harass some stranger and get them to buy your CD. You know, maybe you'd go and chat to them. Say, hey, I see you walking up the street every day. What's going on? And then maybe the next time you chat to them, you'll be like, oh, by the way, I'm a musician. And they're like, oh, that's cool. And then maybe they end up at one of your shows. And then you can say to them, hey, like, I've got a new CD out. Would you be interested? You, it's not a, uh, there's no, there should be no expectation for everyone in the world to be paying attention to your music. You have to develop that relationship. You have to put the time and the work and give it the space to grow. It's not something that can ever happen straight away. It's like, going up to someone in the street and saying, please take me home and cook me dinner. You know, it's, uh, it's, not, it's not realistic. People run away, you know, and I think fans also can run away in a way when they feel artists are too pushy. So it's, it's a great thing to keep in mind. And again, like we spoke about before, like what is your average fan interaction like? Think about that. Think about, learn from everything that you're doing and find the best way to interact with people to draw them into your world as an artist. That was part one of this Amped Studios Masterclass. Tune in next week to hear part two on the Amped Studios Music Industry Podcast. Brought to you by Old Mutual. Hope you're learning a lot and loving the series. Please subscribe right now to make sure you don't miss out on more. And if you'd like to see videos or access more content or even use the Amp Studios facilities, or maybe you just want to be part of our Amp Studios journey, go to our website. That's ampedstudios.co.za. A-M-P-D-studios.co.za and sign up there. You can also sign up by sending your name to our WhatsApp line on 081 707 That's 081 707 Music has changed. How it makes us feel never will. The time is now to visit mstudios.co.za. Brought to you by Old Mutual.